that was you know we we were looking at this it's like wow this can really happen hello my name's Blair Murphy and this is the bishop's office a podcast where i talk to members of the church of jesus christ of latter day saints about their conversion missionary service and life experiences today i'm speaking to federico ho about his mission in the philippines i hope you enjoy Well, Federico, it's great to catch up with you today and talk about your, your missionary experiences. How are you? I'm good, thank you. So why don't we start by you telling us where you served and, and what years you served? Originally, I served in Philippine Cebu East Mission. That was 1998. Then um, when the missions was actually, actually growing and it was splitting, so I somehow served on another mission that's philippine cebu mission and after that philippine naga mission so that's three on it all in all okay <laughs> i'd love to hear a little bit about growing up in the philippines what was your childhood like my, my parents actually joined the church when i was seven years old uh, my father and mother joined the church in 75 so a uh, year after that i got baptized so ever since I was uh, actually raised in a Mormon home. Mm. Do you remember what that was like, having your parents join the church? Did life change much for you around the house, or were you too young to remember? Um, I remember uh, my parents, you know, they they were Catholics, but they're not really active Catholics. So uh, when the missionaries came to our home, the funny thing is uh, they were trying to escape (laughs) from the missionaries. (laughs) <laughs> but somehow the, the missionaries were white and cunning. We got baptized and uh, we grew. I actually remember when my parents uh, were baptized. We never missed the scripture study at night. Mm. And, um, and in the morning before I go to seminary, twice a day. Man, you guys are awesome. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what was it, what kind of an experience was it for you? Was it a positive experience or was it like, oh, come on, mom, you know, why are we doing scripture study again? What, how did you find I it? I actually never, I really liked it because what I really liked about it was the music, the songs that we, we were singing. It fascinates me. So those are, you know, new hymns that we learn. Those words really fascinate me. So probably that's the reason why I, you know, begin to love music. And so as you look back at your childhood, were there a couple of experiences that really contributed to your testimony becoming, I guess, more firm in the gospel? I'm the seventh bishop in my family. Seventh of how many? Of nine. Seventh of nine. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Aside from that, we we also have friends because back home, Mm -hmm. the, the only friends that I have were actually members of the church. So when we're together, we're, we're still, you know, right there on the same level, mm-hmm. something like that. So I guess it was pretty much a foregone conclusion that you would be serving a mission. Um, did your older siblings serve? Yes. One of my elder sister, she served first and I wanted to go too, you know, when she returned. I was trying to see myself, ah, one day I'm going to be like her. And were there any experiences that really led to your wanting to put in your papers and serve? When I was growing up in the church, 
I have two friends that are actually close to me. And what we usually do during Saturdays, we actually go to the missionary's uh, apartment because we were polishing their shoes. Okay. So were you doing this <laughs> we, for money? We, we were actually earning. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So these were the times that we were having that picture because all of, all of those missionaries were American. So mm. they were like, you know, talking to each other and we, we were like, you know, wow, look at them. One day we'll be like them. <laughs> Plus, those who are, you know, senior than us who went and came back and shared their experiences, we were like, hmm, that's really nice. I want to go. So you put in your papers. Were you surprised to be serving in the Philippines or is that pretty common for people? Yeah, it's pretty common. It's one in a million that you can serve outside uh, the Philippines. And do you remember what happened the day you got your call? <laughs> yeah, my heart was like really pumping. <laughs> I was so excited that the big brown envelope and I opened it up with uh, in front of my family and read it aloud. It was President Ezra Taft Benson at that time telling me that I should serve in Philippine Civil Union's mission. And so in 98, was there an MTC there in the Philippines or did you oh, go? Oh, yeah, yeah. Or what? Yeah, we went to MTC in mm -hmm. the Philippines. It was really wonderful there. We really had a great time. It was a learning experience, a spiritual experience as well. Um, what did you learn during the, that time in the MTC? During our time, I think it was the six standard discussions that we're supposed to use. Usually, uh, you, you have to memorize, you know, certain parts, certain principles. The instructor uh, would tell us that we should always rely more on the spirit because uh, whatever we do, however knowledgeable we are, uh, it wouldn't help. It would always be uh, the spirit that would convert people. So I guess a couple of weeks in the MTC for you and then you head out into the Cebu East mission. What should we know about the Philippines and Filipino people? The Filipinos are basically lovable people very hospitable if they can give you their house they would give it to you <laughs> as a guest yeah they're, they're really friendly and my impression is is that there's some wealthy people in in the philippines but there's also some areas that are very very poor almost third yeah world. yes yes so you get a full spectrum of um i guess life's challenges as you're going out to share the gospels and how do missionaries live over there, do you have hot water for showers? What's the... <laughs> it depends where you are. Like in my first and second area, the house would probably be cemented, but sometimes there's no water. So you have to go to the well. And sometimes the water in the well is murky. <laughs> so you really have to boil it. Sorry. So you're taking a bucket to a well for your water to survive. Yes. Is that right? Yeah, because the mission provides us with drums. <laughs> we have to find water from the well, but the water is really murky. So you have to boil some if you would like to drink it. And they would uh, give us chlorine and give us instruction how many drops to drop on the, the water. So, And was this a new experience for you or did you grow up doing that? <laughs> well, back home, we actually have the best water in the Philippines. Going to this area, it's like, ah, uh, yeah. It's not really new to me because I know some areas are, are like that. Uh -huh. But you just have to adjust. 
aside, I guess, from the fact that you were almost killed by the water, what was your first area like? How did you find adjusting to missionary life? The first two, three weeks was really hard. Mm. It, was, it was really hard. I remember I was always on my knees. I, 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 I don't know how many times I was on my knees asking for the Lord's help. I was asking the Lord, why do people don't want to listen? <laughs> if only they knew. <laughs> if only they knew. Did you find that the answer came? What happened when you were saying all of these prayers? Each time I knelt down, there was an assurance. I, I don't know, but it was letting me know that things will be okay. Every single time. And I, and I relied on that. And it came true, actually. What happened was we were doing Christian service project on one, we call it barangay, or you call it here suburb. And each barangay or suburb has its own chieftain. We call it the barangay captain. So we went to him and uh, we told him that we want to do service, you know. Um, he said, what can you do? Well, we said, well, the area is so dirty. So we said, we want to clean it up. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, go, go, go. Yeah, clean. You, you, can, you can do that. So we did that. And uh, after cleaning and all that, we went back to him and say, thank you for allowing us you know, to do this and that. And uh, for a moment there, we, we had that feeling. Me and my companion said, we want to give you something. And that was the Book of Mormon. That was, that was the first one that we gave. And uh, it opened up the way. <laughs> I remember that really really vividly now so it was really really nice experience mm. i said oh, this is this is it this is what the lord was trying to say and it really did open up so as you think back on your mission are there a couple of experiences that you return to time and time again that were particularly meaningful to you i think one of the experience i had was uh we were proselyting or tracting one day and we happened to knock on this door. An old man answered and we came in. And it came to me like, like a shock. He actually related to us his dream. And uh, he dreamt of standing in between two large ships. And he was on a small boat. And he shared that to us. And, uh, and he said, what do you think that is? What, what, what do you think it means? <laughs> me and my companion were like, Okay, I think what you dreamt, it was actually us. We were actually laughing with him. <laughs> and he was smiling at us. Those two large boats were actually us. Our next question was, would you like to take a ride on one of those big boats? Well, we actually taught him a few discussions, but he later on said, um, maybe it's not time for me. Were there times when you met someone and through their learning the gospel, you know, you just saw them change. I think one person that I think it was probably on my second area, uh, we were teaching a sister. Yeah, she, she actually uh, came out from being a nun and we were actually teaching her about the sacrament. And uh, I think that principle of the atonic sacrifice, which the sacrament symbolizes, open her eyes, making her realize that there's more to partaking of the sacrament. Because in Catholic Church, you usually only take the, um, what do you call that, the white? Uh, the wafer from communion. 
Yeah. So they only take that. And what about what about the the wine? She said. Mm. Well, they they say that the 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 wafer thing, you know, the white bread, they actually dip it on the on the wine. She said, I think that's not right. <laughs> it's it's something that you need to partake. And uh, we explained to her about the uh, the sacrament, what what the bread symbolizes, the water symbolizes, and what covenant she is going to to observe and to keep. And uh, later on, she accepted the challenge of being baptized. She actually became a um, district relief society when when I left that area. Oh, really? I heard from my missionary. She said, "Oh, she's already." I said. Oh, that's really wonderful. <laughs> um, were there experiences where you felt the spirit really strongly in a teaching situation? I think it was on my last area that we opened. It's the, the area is called Kasiguran. That's in Sorsalon. We were actually teaching one of, one of the family, but somehow the neighbor was actually hearing it too. We we didn't know that the neighbor was listening as well. <laughs> What, like through the window or something? Yeah, through the wall, because you could actually hear it. Wow. The wall, the, the wall was actually very thin. So we were teaching the family, and yet we noticed that there were actually people outside who were actually listening to for, you know, an hour. <laughs> and we asked them to come in and, and ask them how, how, how they feel about it. You know, how the things that they have listened to and asked them if, they have any questions regarding what we have discussed. And they say, um, we, we, we felt something. We, we, we felt something that different. It's actually different. And they say, who are you? <laughs> and then we uh, introduce ourselves again to them. So because we were new in that area, they probably saw us for the first time there. And uh, hearing the discussions from us was actually new, that they felt that it was good. Even I myself, I was thinking like, whoa, the, the spirit actually was working with them. I didn't expect that. So that's cool then. So um, these people are just listening through the wall, hear the message and they feel something. I love that. It yeah. reminds me of when um, that woman sort of touched the Savior's clothes just as he was walking down the street that, you know, the Savior wasn't necessarily turning and teaching that woman, but by nature of him going about his ministry, his influence was felt and, and people could reach out to him. I recall you talking about going into an area and renting a house right near the um, Catholic church. Is this in the same area where you're opening up the area? or do you? Want oh, to yes. Yes. We were actually supposed to stay in the uh, mayor's house. We actually cleaned the house for him. And then later on, he changed his mind. And uh, we start sort of, you know, start to look for another one. And uh, out of nowhere, we were able to rent this house right beneath this uh, big old Catholic church. So is it like in the basement of the Catholic church or something? Uh, it's like the, the Catholic church is like on a hill. And if you want to go there, you have to take, you know, a lot of steps. Mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a cemented steps going up there. And we were like right here at the bottom end. Right here on the bottom, we have like neighbors too, who are actually staying there. So what we noticed was every morning, the priests would lead a procession on the street. And we kind of asked our neighbors, do they actually do this, you know, every day? They said, no, only when you arrived. 
<laughs> so, <laughs> so that's why I told you, Bishop, uh, me and my companion, we decided to really, you know, wake up early in the morning, put on our proselyting clothes and really wake for them with a smile. So <laughs> one day they were actually coming towards us and we just greeted them. Good morning. How, how are you? So we were smiling. And after that, they never did again, mm. you know, <laughs> the procession. So I think it was kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I think um, you told me about giving um, them some Christmas presents one year. Yes. During Christmas, what we did was there was actually a convent there close to that big Catholic church. And we decided to gift wrap Book of Mormons and a marvelous work in a wonder. Uh, my mission president, President Richards, the, the one who brought a marvelous work in wonder is his great-great-grandfather. So we kind of had discounts. <laughs> so we ordered a lot of marvelous work in wonder. We gift wrapped Book of Mormons as well. And we started to give the nuns. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> That's right. who we'll knows? never know. <laughs> That's right. If they read it, that would be really great. How do you think you changed during your mission? When I was growing bishop, I'm a very, very shy, very, should I say, aloof (laughs) (laughs) or a loner or I don't really, you know, talk that much, only with few friends. But uh, the mission has greatly helped me with the confidence. I can talk to anybody. I can talk to a group. Uh, one, one of the um, things that we did in my last area was big gathering in the school. So we were trying to introduce you know, the church in that area. So even that I was able to do. And it's really amazing that all of this uh, actually prepared me for something else. Every time I look back on my mission, it always reminds me, this is what you are prepared for. Because there was actually things that happened in our state that requires the help of all returned missionaries at that time. What was going on? Um, 2004, the missionaries were pulled out from our state. Uh, the missionaries were pulled out, the CS were pulled out because of security reasons. Because you know where we are, right? Down south. So there's too many problems down there. You have the NPA, you have the Abu Sayyaf, you have the MNLF. <laughs> so many. So all the missionaries have to be pulled out. And th- these are all sort of extremist groups, aren't they? Yes, yes, yes. So they're trying to avoid because some, some of these would uh, do bombings and all that sort. So they pull out all of the full-time missionaries in your stake and yes. your area. Yes. And, and, and then what happens? What happened was we were under Philippine Davao mission. And what we did was we don't have full-time missionaries. So we have to have our own stake missionaries. Hmm. So I was then the high council assigned to missionary work. And what we did was, because we have this uh, club, it's called uh, Return Missionary Club, Zanri Mez Club. So we organize all the return missionaries. And then uh, we actually made a sort of type of zone and district types mm-hmm. so that we, we could function as full-time missionaries. Mm. 
So how did this work? Because some of you are married, some of you have got jobs and all of that sort of thing. At what sort of time were people de dedicating? What sort of work were they doing? What sort of missionary work? Uh, it's actually teaching. Out from this, we were actually able to create one branch. We were really surprised. <laughs> so what, wait a minute. Are yes. you guys going out finding as well? <laughs> yes. We were actually finding through members. I remember one of my best experiences was actually coming back home and uh, teaching friends of my friends. And, you know, seeing convert, be converted, seeing their lives change. I said, wow, this is, this is what missionary is all about. You know, you come home, you still do this, and you can still see success. If, if you go and look at Davao Mission during that time, you would probably see that we were baptizing more than other zones. It was unbelievable. <laughs> so how, how, many, how many people joined the church during what period of time? If I correctly remember, it's about 62. Mm -hmm. And we were able to create one branch. And it's still existing now. Uh, the branch is Quran uh, branch. And I happen to serve there for a time as branch president as well. Oh, that's awesome. So it was. <laughs> oh, man. And uh, we were actually, you know, uh, the, the spirit was really strong with, with, with uh, the, the return missionaries. It was really fantastic. It was really nice. I'm trying to I'm trying to extract from you what made you guys so successful. What why was it? Do you think um, what made the difference? You were more successful than the full time missionaries who were working full time. So what's the difference? I, I think the difference was we know the people. We love to do it. But when you work through through members, when they give you their friends, it's like you know. Uh, there's, there's no more gap because uh, once you become my friend, you become my friend. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and did you think that you'd be able to be successful or was there, you know, uh, after the first couple of baptisms, we were like, oh, we can actually do this. You know, what was the yes. feeling? And one of the, uh, the converts became a bishop in Tumaga Ward. If you look back, this brother was going with his wife for i don't know 25 years he was actually going with her but the thing is only the uh, the wife is really active she was the member only i mean and when one of my friend was teaching him you know that's where he got converted and he got baptized became a bishop in a ward that was you know we, we were looking at this it's like wow this can really <laughs> happen <laughs> It's amazing, isn't it? And you do hear these stories from time to time. It's wonderful to hear your first-hand experience. You know, missionaries come, they serve well, and they see miracles, no doubt, right? And we see yeah, yeah. people in the church, they find people, and some of them stay active, some of them don't, you know. Um, that's just sort of how it goes. But it's almost like God reserved his choicest blessings of missionary success for when the members are fully engaged. Exactly. And exactly. Um, I remember, you know, there's a couple of training videos for ward mission leaders and things um, about a, a ward in, in London that, you know, they do something very similar. They just effectively call the whole ward on a mission. 
it's just so cool to hear hear your experience and the blessings that you guys saw firsthand. And the joy, I, I cannot explain to you, Bishop, the joy that we felt. It's like, you know, everybody experienced that great joy. It was really wonderful. Oh, well, that's great. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to share about your mission or how your mission changed your life, I suppose, before we finish up? My mission life has really changed me a lot, changed my perspective in life. It has made me more mature in, in the gospel. And I learned to really appreciate the Savior much. I will always be grateful for His great atoning sacrifice because without His sacrifice, I think all of this will not be possible. It has brought so many, so many great blessings in my life. And I, sometimes I cannot express that joy fully, but it has really made me, turn me to a different kind of man. Well, that's, that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that, um, Federico. And it's been great to hear about your mission and your post-mission mission as well. That's um, <laughs> such a wonderful experience. Thank you for taking the time. No worries, Bishop. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Federico about his mission. Some pretty potent lessons there about the power of members being involved in missionary work. That's all I have for you today until I speak to you again here in the Bishop's Office.